Welcome back to Fox in the Room. I'm your host, Murray Barker. And this is episode two. So again, welcome in to episode two. Uh, I'm your host, Murray Barker. Last episode, we covered where I'm from, brief history about me, Bakersfield, California, some kids, a couple baby mamas, you know, nothing, nothing overly crazy, just something, something real slight. But today we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about family dynamics and we're going to talk about the man that I am and why and what contributed to that. And I mean, family dynamics for some people look like, you know, single parents, some have their grandparents, some have both parents, some have two moms, some of y'all got two dads, but you know. Everybody's dynamic is different. So I was actually one of the people <laughs> who had two dads and my mom. I had my stepfather who lived with me and my mom and my brothers. And I had my biological father who lived in Vegas, the man I'm named after. And so with these family dynamics came a lot of crazy shit. Like, and not in the sense of drama, but a lot of crazy lessons that it took me to be 33 to even interpret this shit the right way, to even understand what was going on. So some of these uh, lessons that was given to me when I was young was uh, given in a negative light and a positive light. I think the intention behind all of that shit was definitely uh, the same desired outcome, but it just the lessons was different. The lessons were the same. The messages were different is what I say. It's how I told my mom earlier. That's just how I would interpret, you know, what all fucking went down. Uh, On one hand, I had my stepfather who, man, he sold dope. That was his his thing. That was his life. Like, he was a street dude. And on the other hand, I had my father who was a working man. My father was a, a silver miner, a truck driver, a sheriff. Like, seeing my father do everything uh, under the sun and he always stayed employed. And the opposite, I always seen my stepfather hustle and never not hustle. So, I mean, you think about that in terms of being a man and being a 33-year-old man. Now, I think, like, you always got to have a hustle. You always got to have an income. You can't, ain't no room for no bullshit, period. Like, that that's not what it's about. You got kids, you got a family, you got shit to do. So, you, you got to make your money somehow. So, that was, like, lesson one. Uh, one of my, my most memorable lessons from both sides of this comes from uh, dealing with women. And when I was 15, I was with my father for the summer. And so uh, being my father, man, if you know anything about me, you know anything about my father, you know anything about my son. I think the only kryptonite we pretty much got is women. So that's like one of the, the biggest downfalls I think the Murrays have. And so being out there for the summer, I ran into some girls that I knew lived around the way. And I remember going to my dad and I was like hey uh, I'm trying to go to the mall and he was like yeah and he was like what the hell are you going to the mall for so at this point I'm like yeah I got these things outside I'm trying to I'm trying to slide to the mall with him and he's like huh so he opened the door he looked out man I ain't never seen this nigga move this quick in his life my man's emptied that wallet out he was like now is that enough or you need to take the card I'm like shit this should hold me over I should be good and dealing with him in that aspect, man, that summer was crazy because I actually kicked it with all three of them girls like all summer. I had a ball. And, uh, man, me and one of them, we still cool to this day. Like, we still cool. She she married and got kids and shit. But, like, we all still hella cool. But talking to my dad about all of that and how the interactions was and listening to him, 
I was like, okay, so this is how, you know what I'm saying? This is kind of how you move, how you maneuver. Now, on the flip side of that, I go back home to Bakersfield from Vegas. And I think at this time, man, I'm, it was, yeah, my birthday was coming up. And I wasn't turning, I was already, I was turning 16. And so, uh, man, I didn't, I wasn't going to Vegas. So my stepfather was like, what you want to do for your birthday? And I was like, shit, I don't know. Like, shit, you know, not really like, I'm, I'm a boring ass nigga. I like to go get steak at, at the steakhouse and sit there and chill. That's the type of shit I be on. He was like, nah, fuck that nigga. We finna have a party. So I'm like, we finna have a party. He was like, yeah, call all your dogs over all your homeboys. And I ain't going to say no names. Fuck it. I'm going to say some names. So, you know, my cousin Jeremy, my cousin Lynn, uh, my cousin Dwayne, my boy Rick, I called all them up. I even might have called my homeboy Jay up. I called my brother Jay up, and I don't think he came. For some reason, I don't know if he was there or not. I can't remember. But so they all come over to the house, and my stepfather like, man, what y'all drinking? We like drinking. Mind you, we all smoke weed at this time. So we was like, well, shit, fuck it. We finna go to the store real quick. We'll be back. Went around the Rite Aid. We popped them bottles off in the pants. We was up out of Rite Aid, two-fifths of Crown Royal on some Hennessy. We got back to the house, start rolling up. Everybody's pulling up a little drink. Mind you, I'm 16 years old. Start rolling up, sitting there kicking it, just bullshitting, and in walks some strippers. And I ain't talking about this ain't no this ain't no bullshit strip dance. They, they asshole naked out there. 16 years old. And replaying this now, my my 33-year-old mind. Man, I would never do this shit to my son. Like, never. Like, that man fucked me up for, like, (laughs) pretty much a good portion of my life. Like, literally, the shit that I I learned off of, like, that experience was, I don't want to say traumatizing because that's such a a negative word, but it was effective. (laughs) It was very effective. And so, lessons like that... um, Man, I remember a time where he had went to jail and had got caught up. And I, I don't know the details of how he got caught up, but I remember him calling the house and he was like, I need you to do me a favor. And I was like, what? And he was like, you already know it. I, where I'm calling from, right? And I was like, yeah. Matter of fact, I got it. Don't even worry about it. He's like, hey, tell your mom I called and tell her what happened. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do that and I'm going to take care of that. So, man, I went to the attic and, man, I snatched four keys of dope out of the attic and buried it up under the doghouse and... Like, seeing shit like that at such a young age, man, that shit literally, like, you torn between fast money and real money, or not even real money, but, like, legit money. Whereas I'm seeing my father, and my father has three cars, he's going to work. Man, this dude's a sheriff, you know what I'm saying? Like, we down here for the summer, and this man carried a gun to work, and he arresting people coming in in the morning, telling us about the crazy shit on the strip and how it all went down. And so, with that, I developed a lot of conflicts within myself I would say like these was like conflicts like deep conflicts where I was like unsure what was right and wrong almost like your morals is compromised it was just different shit that like would, would fuck with you like you literally would see different things from two different men in your life um you know for instance my father when he's a truck driver before he's a sheriff I would go out there for the summer I would kick it with him I would hop in the truck. We would go to work. He would put me on the forklift. I see him doing the tie downs. I see him doing the, the tire pressure checks. Like, I'm seeing all of this shit. Like, I'm talking about smooth 12 hours every day. Whereas my stepfather, I'm seeing him, and I might come home from school, and he might be like, hey, let's, let's go make a run. And, nigga, that's the terminology for, like, make a play now. And it's like, oh, I'm going to make this run. Like, let's go. And we'd be on Augusta, and I would see, you know, him 
serving crackheads and shit. And I mean, it woke me up to shit because I really started to realize, like, it, it, black people are not the only people who do drugs. Like, I seen some motherfuckers come through there buying crack who had no fucking business being over there. And if you know Augusta, that's on the east side of Bakersfield, off of Brundage. And I would see this shit, and I would be like, damn, like, this is what the fuck going on? Like, these people, they really, like, lively fucked up. And so it it put something in me that made me um, real resilient. You know, I tell people who are real close to me, like, I mean, before I could really read and write, like, I kind of knew how to, how to maneuver in the streets and see different shit for what it was. I mean... It was times where I would see this dude cooking dope up, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And then again, I would be with my father, and we buying $500 fucking saltwater fish and a live rock aquarium. The most traumatizing memory, I think, is the last interaction I actually had with both of these men. Um, so the last interaction I had with my father, I was there for the summer, and I was getting ready to come back home to start at West High. And I was like, man, Dad, it's... It's no bullshit. It's time for me to come live with you. Like, you are me. I am you. I, I need to be here. And he was in agreement. And so I was like, man, we got to talk to mom. Like, we got to talk to mom because I'm ready to go. And, man, I got home. Well, let me rewind. Man, my mom called out there and she was like, Kenny, you need to have the birds and the bees talk <laughs> with your son. <laughs> I don't know why she said this because he literally was like looking at me and hung the phone up and was like, I need to talk to you about wearing the rubber. I was like, nah, I'm good. I got it. We find out later on, I, I didn't have it. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I, I got it, Dad. Like, we, we straight. He was like, all right, cool. We actually jumped up. We went to Target. We was in Target. We was walking, man. And I'll never forget this. It's like it happened yesterday. And, I, it, man, it makes me remind me of my son. And so I was walking to Target. And this lady walked by with these, these yoga pants on. And I was standing behind my dad, and she walked past us, and I turned around and looked, and my dad didn't even turn around. He said, what you looking at, Junior? And I was like, man, the same fucking thing you looking at. He just started laughing. And I was like, bruh, yeah, I got to be here with you. And I ended up coming home, back to Bakersfield to my mom. And, man, my dad died a week after that, and that shit, like, devastated me. It fucked me up. And knowing now, like, Man, that trauma, that type of shit, like, I, man, that shit was heavy on me. And I was always angry. Like, around that time, I remember being so angry with the world, with God, with just everybody. Because I was like, nobody understands, like, what this feels like. Like, the person who I am genetically like the most is gone. And it would be ironic that six months later, a similar thing would happen with my stepfather. And I woke up one morning, me and him had actually got, gotten into it the night before that. And it was over some stupid shit. I ain't even finna sit here and lie. Like it was, it was hella dumb. Um, I went to one of the most crackingest little spots in Bakersfield and got this burrito. Boom. I came home. I ate half of it. I'm like, man, I'm finna smash that motherfucker back out tomorrow before I go to school. So boom, I go to sleep. I woke up, my burrito was gone. But everybody else was gone. My mom had dipped off to work. My brothers had went to school. And I woke up and I was like, damn, you seen my burrito? And he was like, nah. And I'm like, this nigga ate my shit. And so he was like, hey, um, your mom said I got a dentist appointment today. Like, mind you, my mom took care of like all of that type of shit. Because, again, he, he was a street dude. And so my mom said doctor's appointments, dental appointments, whatever have you for like all of us. Like my mama, no bullshit, had four sons in a sense. 
And so he was like, you know where the, the dentist is? And I was like, man, nah, I don't know where that shit is. And I actually did know. Like, I, I knew that shit was like literally right up the street. But I was like, no, nah, I don't know. You got to call mom and ask her. Like, I don't, I don't know. But I'm late for school, so I'm finna dip. And so I left, went to school, and boom, I got out of school that day. And my mom was like, she had called me, and she was like, Scooter, you know, where, you seen Kevin? I was like, nah, I ain't, I ain't seen him. Like, I seen him this morning, but, like, I ain't seen him since then. Like, I ain't been home. I went to school today. And my mom like, man, I think something is wrong. And, man, she called back, like, a little bit later, and I, I don't even really remember what happened, but I remember meeting her on, on the east side, and he had been shot like on Brundage and he had died and that shit like you talking six months apart like this heavy heavy trauma and I'm like ain't no fucking way in the world like we supposed to take L's like this hard this fast for like no fucking apparent reason the result of these two catastrophic things happening in my family my mother has this fucking knee jerk reaction and so her, her instant thought is to lock me and my brothers in the house. And I'm like, nah, like, no, you can't. Like, we not, we can't just stay in this fucking house for the rest of our life. Like, I get it, but no, I'm sorry. And so I'm going to say that I had pretty decent leeway. Like, you know, even after all of that happened, it was, um, I went to work, went to school, and I was with, with my cousin a lot and my best friend, my brother Jason. I was with them a lot and running track and shit back and forth looking for an outlet for all of this uh, this pain, this trauma that I had went through. And the shit just never really sat right, man. I kind of half-assed went to school. I went to high school like on and off, honestly, like, and still managed to get straight A's. That's the craziest shit ever, too. Um, I don't know how, but it, was, it would be days where I literally just would wake up and my mom would ask, like, are you going to school? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going. It was days I just cut school and just went to work. Like, I'd be calling my manager and be like, hey, I'm going to come in and grab these hours. Like, fuck it, I want some more money. And she'd be like, cool, come on. Like, I'm going to slot you this shit under the, off the table or under the table. Like, so it ain't on the books. And looking for, like, outlets, just different outlets, smoking weed, just doing shit to try to pacify and normalize what the fuck had happened. I mean, it wouldn't be many, it wouldn't be till like many years later, like basically until I had my son six years ago that I would realize like the trauma that I had and like looking at him and knowing the man that I wanted to be for him. And before him, it was my daughters. And so with the birth of my daughters, it, it really, it grew me to fuck up. Like it put some perspective in my mind as to the man that I needed to be. And I had to do a lot of figuring that shit out. Like it was like, who and what are you going to be? And I would say to my oldest daughter, man, my oldest daughter still like my G today. Like, so, I mean, her mom kind of get on me now. But like, you be telling her too much. And I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't sugarcoat shit. She 12. Like, I got to tell this nigga this. Like, if I don't, somebody else is. And so our relationship is like, our, our relationship is really, really open. And we talk a lot about a lot of shit. So it's, it's a good, healthy daddy-daughter relationship. Now, my middle baby is uh, a little different. She is definitely daddy's baby baby, uh, more so than my, my son, the actual baby. And so she is consistently affectionate with me and is always checking on me. She is literally my mother in another form. So it's funny because I have to send her to my mom from time to time for uh, training. 
on, on her behavior because she literally in her mind believes that she is the woman of this house, which, which in fact she is. Um, you know, we, we give her the title, the little lady of the house. So she gets to make decisions um, like decorating and stuff like that. But my son, um, I always tell my homeboys who have sons, uh, God, God can give you a son when you're ready. Like he ain't gonna make no mistake about it. Like having a son is hard, way completely harder than having a daughter. And a lot of people don't see it. A lot of people don't think it is. Um, but as a man, it, it truly is the most difficult thing because I have to watch what I say and how I act around my son. And this isn't just a, a you know, every other day type deal. This is every day from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. I have to watch how I talk to him. Uh, the words that I use, words have power. So I, I watch the words that I use with him and the teachings that I'm giving him. And me and him, man, we we really we got a man, we got a solid ass relationship. That dude is is <laughs> he is me to my dad, and I'm my dad to him. And so we have very open conversations. We spend a lot of time together, just chilling just hanging out and existing and teaching him to be still and he'll ask me different questions and, and even at six this dude to talk to me about girls and it's so funny like I remember when he was three you know getting ready to go to the store and he would be like dad we're going to the store we're going to go get some girls and I'm like boy we are going to get groceries not girls like you three years old what are you talking about I came off of a deployment one time and his sister couldn't wait to tell on him and she as soon as I walked in the door I don't even think they said hi to me and my daughter was like and Murray was at school kissing girls. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? You wilding right now. Like, I, what am I going to do with you? And it, it's funny because he really is truly a good boy. But I laugh because a lot of the teachings that I missed out on, I have the opportunity to give back to him and make them up as I go. So it's kind of making my own rules and basing it off of the experiences that I've had as, as a, you know, a boy, a young man and a man and a father. I often find myself um, looking through two sets of eyes when I'm teaching them and, and dealing with life and the shit that I deal with, even at work. Um, I always look through two sets of eyes and see how to best approach shit. And I know that that's both of them in me uh, and that conflict still and even my, my resolution skills like on how to deal with certain shit and when to deal with it. And, and you know, I always tell people, I know what's going on around me. I just pick and choose how and when I want to deal with that shit. Like, because everything doesn't demand your immediate attention. Like, some shit, you just got to set that shit back and let it let it sit there. And I learned that from my father. And, you know, whereas my stepfather, it was that shit need to be done right now. Like, it's a right now type, type of deal. If I'm being honest, looking back at all of this, I wouldn't change this shit for the world. Um, the ability to look through two sets of eyes and have two completely different perspectives has served me so well in my fucking life to it's not even funny um just how i can practice this with anything uh, whether it be a relationship uh, my job my children being able to look through both dimensions and see okay i could do this or i could do this and if i do this i know the cost of doing business for that so you'll never write no checks your ass can't cash and that's just the bottom line but uh next episode we're gonna we're gonna talk about moms and we're gonna talk about how my mother became my mother and my father and 
raising three boys on her complete own at this point in time and dealing with the trauma and the grief and having to raise us in a, in a city that doesn't favor black men at all. Um, and how I eventually decided to join the Navy. And actually, we'll, we'll discuss who helped me come up with that idea, too, and how this 14-year run all got started. But as always, thank you for tuning in. I look forward to, you know, hearing y'all reviews and comments. Keep clicking away, please. If you see it on Anchor, click it. You see it on Apple, click it. If it's on Spotify, click it. Just just do that shit and, and get a good listen. I think you'll enjoy the stories.